This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm Wayne Barton, joined by the wonderful Manchester United legend, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm all right, Wayne. I'm Good. fine, thank you. Fantastic. Um, Talking Devils is brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. CFS have a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in physical stores as well. Listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount using TOTD10 at checkout online. Um, before we begin, I just want to give a little shout out to some of our regular listeners who always post um, nice comments and give regular feedback. Um, so that's Asan. Ben Allen, Ben McManus, um, Eric O'Brien and Gary Cook. Thanks everyone for listening. I know there's a lot more listeners, but those guys reach out um, to me regularly to sort of give feedback on the show and say that they're enjoying it and everything. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for the kind words about the podcast. Remember, if you do enjoy the show, give it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, subscribe if you're not already. Really do appreciate those um, kind reviews and obviously... It helps us get bumped up little um, little bits in the rankings as well, so it's um, always appreciated. Um, only one place to start this week, Paul. Um, the morning after a trip to Anfield, nil-nil. Um, United can be somewhat pleased with that, um, pleased with the performance as well a little bit, you know, particularly in the second half. But yeah, they still come away with it. A couple of nagging feelings about what might have been. Um, first things first, positive th- things first. You know, it was a decent result, and it does show how far we've 
outcome because we went to Anfield positive and looking for a win and in years before Mourinho went there looking to contain obviously there was an element of that with the team that we selected but also it was a team that was set up to try and create chances as we saw by the way that Ole was sort of proactive with switching things around in the first and second half um, what do you make of that, Paul? A lot of people after this are saying, "Oh, it's a chance missed and everything like that." But um, taking it on, on what it was, you know, draw Anfield, draw the champions, where we've not had a great uh, record lately. Um, for what it was, for what we should expect of United this season, uh, we've got to, to be happy with that glass half full, really, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it. You have to look at it that way, especially when you, as we all look at things, we always look at the things at the end. The things. I mean, the end of the day. Many, many years ago, the, last, the only game that people remembered when the season finished was the FA Cup final. Yeah. So I think we have to look at it and look at this game and say, you look at the. <clears throat> I think you look at what, 25 minutes of that second half, mm. and say that was you know United played very well. The first half, I don't know that was if that was Ollie's intention to play that way, but it was an, If it was, it was a dangerous one. Mm. I think at the end of the day. I, I just believe that because they are so far off Liverpool as a, as a in the front area, the three of them are just not clicking at all at this moment in time. That got United off the hook because they was getting to the back four far too quickly and too easily and getting too many passes in, in and around the edge of the box. But someone will come back and say, the hair didn't have a save to make. And that is correct because it was good defending a lot of last ditch defending a lot of nicking the ball off of people's toes and so it all goes down that that first half was about staying very you know concentrated in everything they'd done which has been an issue for Manchester United defending wise and that part they've conceded so many a lot of goals and the fact of players lacking concentration and the players we normally come normally come to mind I must say, they all defended very, very well yeah. yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the... Um, you know, once he did change it around, obviously, I think that one of the big problems... When we'll talk about the individuals in a moment. Um, we'll go through the team in a way. Um, but once he did change it around in the first half, he moved Pogba's position slightly so that well, there was a little bit more solidity in the midfield. Um, so we weren't getting overrun or stretched as, as much as we were. And it did sort of stabilise us for a minute and it did look like, you know, we, we had a foundation on what we could attack. And you were right. It was like just a, a bad day for those three to be off form, really, um, in, in the way that they just weren't clicking. There was nothing there. I think maybe you had that anxiety of all of them thinking they had the responsibility to do it as well. Um, but we still could have won it you know we had those two big chances late on in the second half we had Fernandez, um, which was a, an opening that you, you kind of like weren't expecting because you had Rashford and, and Shaw combining well on the overlap which is like the one opportunity we had anything like that in the match and then um, and then Wan-Bissaka doing well to set up that chat, the big chance really for Pogba seven minutes to go Um you know those two big chances, which were the biggest ones in the game. Pogba hits it straight at the goalkeeper. A lot of people praising Allison for saying good goalkeepers um, have the positioning right, so it makes those kind of saves look easier. But you still look at that, Paul, and you think, oh, I think you know, we could have. That's more it. of a reaction, say, for Allison. I mean, I would say it was more than just about positioning. I mean, you'd expect a goalkeeper to be there and thereabouts, and he was right on the money, and it virtually has almost come straight at him. 
but he stayed strong and there's been many times that goalkeepers have let that through their hands goalkeepers have pushed have not been strong enough and pushed it into their own goal but he was excellent when called upon Alisson because he very similar to De Gea hadn't hardly had anything to do really for as much as Liverpool had the ball and for much as when even United come forward they never had an end product and when called upon he was you know he was excellent in that department for Liverpool the same as De Gea when he was called upon for that one shot yes it was quite close to him but we've you know but there's, there's been times when we've seen that happen when goalkeepers have just not had a lot to do and I think Good goalkeepers, great goalkeepers are all about concentration levels when, when there's not a lot going on. How do, they, how do they keep their mind mind on the game and what's going on around them? And both those goalkeepers, when called upon, showed it in, that, in, um, in, the, in the given situations. Yeah, they did. And, and like you said, I mean, there were big chances. I mean, maybe the, the Fernandez one more of a half chance, but yeah good goalkeepers um, of that standard you know will you would, you would expect that you would expect yeah. them to, to be doing that when they're playing for the big clubs and they're not getting a shots ratio of say Ramsdale at Sheffield United and you know and even like to the point of um, Dean Henderson when he was at Sheffield United yeah. the amount of great saves he made and that was where he was built up on off the back of making regular saves as most goalkeepers are to a certain point Dave Seaman with me at QPR yeah. You know, you there's something there, but you need that little bit more than just making great saves. It comes to when you're playing for big clubs or, or you're you're number one for your country playing international football. The shots ain't coming in at every fight, every every thirty seconds. Shots are few and far between, so you have to stay alive. Peter Shelton used to jog across the front of his front of his penalty area just to keep just to keep him going rather than just stand. And it's easy to switch off, and all of a sudden. You're not, you, you take your mind off what's going on in front of you and bang, you one nil down. Yeah, um, well, certainly no danger of that with the goalkeepers yesterday who, um, yeah, masters of concentration. Um, just on that chance, I don't want to labour too much because it's not like he had an open net, but could Pogba have done better? Do you think he thrashed it a little bit? I think it was just reactive, really. I think, it, I think even me being a sceptic, it would be hypercritical to have a go at have a go at him about that I think he'd come more into the game he pushed on more in that in that second half and he kind of affected Robinson in a way by what he was doing on that side I thought in those wide areas I just think at the end of the day I look at Marcus Rashford on the, when he was playing on the left hand side his strength for Manchester United was that in a certain way by him being where he was he affected um, Alexander-Arnold in going forward the times that you could see those moments when he did get there, Alexander-Arnold, there was a little bit of a threat. But even then, when the balls were coming in, they got dealt with very easy. But he caused them a problem because he was taking him the other way. So all of Liverpool's great strengths, what they had for last season, United dealt with them. They stopped the two fullbacks from getting forward. Only one time did Trent Alexander knock a, a great ball out with a little bit of fade on it out to Robinson who put the ball straight in yeah. and it could have been it could have been an issue and they were doing that all day long yeah. last, season, last season but they stopped it and it's not just Manchester United it's other teams are doing that with Liverpool as well and I think as you as a Manchester United fan and me as an, as an ex-player know all about what it's like that when you do win a league and you're looking to go and do it again you have to when your teams will come out and there were no 
what was your strength and they would try and stop it mm. and and when I talk about that I talk about a difference when you go out and you change it a little bit and Manchester United went and got Eric Cantona to add something a different dimension in our game while Liverpool at this moment in time maybe just need that because teams are going against them and teams they're just really struggling now because their strengths have been seen and being dealt with teams are dealing with them better the teams are believing they can get something now and they're having a go and that's what you get if you're if you're a champion people want to stop you doing it again yeah and they probably missed Jota more than the defenders oh, didn't they so yes you have to without a doubt he, he amazing what a great buy that was at 40 odd million that the difference is change of pace his endeavor to run behind they haven't really got that be honest Salah threatens it but once he goes shoulder to shoulder, all you've got to do really is just make sure you get to that ball first before him. Same with Mane as well. But they haven't got, Jota's got that little bit more zing about his pace. And more than anything, when he goes shoulder to shoulder, he will, he will have a tussle with you, Jota. Yeah. And they, they have missed him. And like you just said, defensively, they've been screaming and screaming at it, but they're not really that bad off defensively in that sense because they they do have a lot of the ball Thiago's gone into midfield are they seriously missing Henderson in midfield mm. not not no not not a great deal because Thiago is you know he's, he's a class act so um, when he's in there and he will make a difference in Liverpool when it will happen I don't know but hopefully it won't happen for a long long time yeah, Fabinho obviously was very good as well um, yeah Maybe they missed him in midfield, but obviously because him in defence, it, um, it sort of righted that wrong a little bit. Um, and maybe if they'd had someone else in defence, they wouldn't have been as secure as they were. I think probably on the day, Fabinho was the best defender on the pitch. Um, yeah. Well, I said the best central defender because I think um, the best defender was probably Luke Shaw. And let, let's talk about this because it was a, a big game for. Fo- I said before the game, it's a bit. It was a big game for a lot of players, obviously, but for four players who've had a lot of stick over the last three or four years, Luke Shaw, Victor Lindelof, Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial, you've got Luke Shaw and Lindelof, who were very good. Um, Pogba, like you said, he wasn't poor. Martial had a moment or two where he, he sort of did cause a, a few problems, and he, he might have even felt he deserved to stay on instead of Rashford, but then you, you mentioned yeah. Rashford's work against Alexander-Arnold, and I think... Yeah, I'm looking at how poor Rashford was going forward, but maybe Rashford occupying Alexander-Arnold as often as he did helped um, in, in a, a strange way. But So here's where I'm with these four players. Luke Shaw, obviously, the standout player, and we've talked about his increase in form, his improvement um, since Tellez has come in. That's unquestionable, and yesterday was one of his best games for the club. I don't want to overshadow that by talking about what I'm about to talk about, um, because Lindelof obviously played well, this is going to sound really harsh, Paul, but I felt when I'm watching that, it's stretched cup defender heroic sort of stuff. Um, and I can't help but think that a top-class centre-half, who, like, if we did swap centre-halves, for example, if we have Fabinho and not Lindelof, um, someone who doesn't just throw the ball away, um, get you know, clears it and just clears it without thinking where the ball's going to land... Um, I know that we had to clear the ball yesterday. That was kind of the the, um, the task at hand was to do that. But I felt like it, if you've got a defender who's more composed, it makes a massive difference um, to us. And then elsewhere on the on the team, a top-class striker who does more intelligent running than what Martial does, or, or even Rashford did yesterday, 
United are then relying on conviction and clinical attitude and the qualities that our strikers don't show often enough. Um, start with Lindelof. How, do you think I'm being a bit harsh on him? That thinking that you know, obviously he did play well, but um, we're talking about um, bossing those kind of games rather than surviving in them, and that's where the difference of a top-class centre half comes in. Yeah, he was in the way he played. He was quite erratic in his defending in certain ways. It was a case of head down and clear the lines. And there's always that look from him that he's looking to find people, but he's not really, he's not actually doing that. I mean, so many times, you know, it ran under pressure and you just needed that little bit of composure from him, what you've seen from some great centre-halves at United. And he just... He's just not one of them. He clears his lines and in today's game. You need that little bit more. And when you say if a Fabinho had been in that position there, he definitely would have been more composed and there would have been maybe more balls going into midfield to the midfield players because the centre-half would have been more composed. And when you're, you're more composed, other teams will look at you. Do they try and close you down quickly? Maybe not because they know that you've got that enough, you've got that bit about you where... You're not going to be phased by it. You'll play around them. So they do give you that little bit more space and respect. And someone like Fabinho gets that. And you saw that in, in the way he played. You looked at him playing as a centre-half, as a midfield player. And you look at how he was compared to how Henderson was while he was there. Chalk and cheese. Totally mm. chalk and cheese. And Henderson was there to be affected because he was playing at 200 miles an hour you saw him on a few occasions wanting to try to go shoulder to shoulder with Pogba and he was bouncing off. He didn't have to do that, but he felt in his way he had to try and do it and he was there to be taken and just didn't do enough to affect him, to be honest, through the middle. Didn't shift him around to find out. He's, there was one time in the first half, he's gone to head a ball, which a midfield player would be attacking. And he's both, he had two of them and, and it, gone, it got through to Marcus Rashford, but he was in an offside position. Yeah. far too many offsides in the first half and, it, and that is because of his lack of composure Henderson so Lindelof in that way yes I think everyone's seen it but he's had those times when he's when United have been getting results and Lindelof has been playing as you've seen it I, Eric Bay wasn't playing yeah. and I was very very surprised about that because the way he's performed I think he deserved the opportunity to play in, in a big game, like to play in that game. Now, for me, was it sentiment because of was it sentimental? I should say because he brought back Linda, he brought in Lindelof because he said he's fit and he's done well and he's played, or was it because he doesn't trust Bay in a big game? If it's the latter, then in theory, he's going to have to let him go if he doesn't feel he can play in, in those kind of games. Because if you're Manchester United, you you have to say that you're playing in big games and when they come around you want to have the right players with the, with the right temperament and if you don't if a player's not right you can't have him there yeah, yeah that, that's the thing I mean don't get me wrong anyone listening to this thinks I'm, I'm piling in on Lindelof because I've done it before I still think Lindelof had an 8 out of 10 performance yesterday I think he was very good I, I'm just talking about the level of what the 8 out of 10 is and how it contributes to the team around you you know obviously he had a great game but you see and again, this is going to really sound disrespectful, but you know, like a, a cup, a League Two team getting a replay against um, a Premier League team, they have a defender playing like that who, who does really good. They play above what you would expect them to play. There's one interception in the box which was really good, but 
if you're if you've got a, a real Ferdinand in there, they're more conscious about what they're doing with the ball. John Terry, John Terry was so good at sort of looking stretched, but he's he would always have distribution on his mind. That ball would usually land at a Chelsea foot. And United was surrendering a lot of possession in that area and in another area that I'll get to in a moment. But about Martial then, um, he did have a couple of moments in the first half and I did feel that when the board went up to see who was going off Paul, I thought, oh, do you know what? Martial's probably got a bit bigger argument to stay on than what Rashford has. Um, but either, oh, I mean, we weren't talking a convincing argument to say that, that either of them were playing brilliant. And that's the issue that if United, you, you look at a game like that and you think one centre off who brings the play, settles the play down a little bit and a, a centre forward who is perhaps more intelligent in his running and positioning and use of the ball and that transforms the way that we look at that result because United might easily snatch a goal um, do you think that when we're talking about the likes of Lindelof and Martial and saying that you know they didn't play bad but you can see where United need to improve even when they play alright do you think that that's the biggest indication of where we are at the moment after a game like yesterday I think if you look at United <clears throat> I think if you were and you right you got to, you got to tell us what an area which you think would make a difference just pick one out and try and sort it I would say one area that United which showed up yesterday one area where they make a difference is the front line yeah a big big difference and not 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 just one individual we're talking about in theory three players mm if you're talking about playing four or three, three or whatever, but you look at you look at the three you look at the three and you would or you just go with two as it was two yesterday, <clears throat> you you would say that, that you could that needs sorting out. Because it because it just isn't you're hoping I think you're going there as I think as a Manchester United fan and you're hoping that it clicks. Mm-hmm. You you don't know, you don't you know, there's no, you know, great belief that it's going to happen you're hoping your fingers crossed that both of them are going to be right because when it's right everyone wants to sing all the praises and this but it hasn't been right for a long long time so there's no consistency and as much as you try and change you know try and flip it with Greenwood and Martial or Martial and Rashford or Rashford and Greenwood <clears throat> those two it, it just doesn't it's not working so it suggests that it needs a, it needs a change and needs someone to come in. If you look at an area where spending is needed, it's, it's, in, it's definitely in that area. Cavani, he needs a run. Yeah. I mean, there was one time, there was one time, which I didn't like seeing. I, I mentioned it. I mentioned it to people I was working for. mentioned it on air. I didn't like Cavani doing it because the one thing you don't do is you don't dismiss your players, your teammates publicly. Yeah. But he done that when Rashford got that ball and he's made that run. Yeah. Cavani has flipped his run and Marcus Rashford done it again. Poor decision. Poor decision to run where he run. He, it was again another blunder. Cavani has made a run off of him. He's never played a ball and Cavani has turned and virtually was speak, was like shouting and screaming towards the bench. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw that, Wayne. It wasn't on. That, yeah. that, that mean that you, you don't do that. I've seen that happen when, when I was playing. I saw two people and one player dismissed a, t- a player in the team I was playing him. Had to threw his arms up because he never controlled a pass. And 
a senior player at the club I was at and a well-known player by the way turned around and got off got off at a half time got off the bench at half time and stuck his finger in his face and said to him don't you ever ever make one of your teammates look a blah 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 in yeah. front of the fans if you've got a problem if anything you turn around if you can't just keep it to yourself or just turn around and, and whatever he would acknowledge it he would know it but he doesn't need you telling everyone publicly just to make yourself look good yeah, yeah. and and so <clears throat> what Cavani done there was wrong but it was sheer frustration because I think he wants to prove a point and he's trying to feels he's having to do it every time he jumps off the bench he want, he needs to do it straight away he needs a run he needs a belief that he's going to play I, I'm, I mean I, I'm still and I've been I've said it so many times Wayne I, st- I need someone to tell me with Cavani with his CVs credentials whatever you want to say what's in his locker why isn't he getting at least three games or two games on the bounce in the Premier League to, to give him so there's so at the end of the day if it doesn't work out there's no excuses at the moment I'm still sitting there going why isn't Cavani starting and all of a sudden he could get a run and I suddenly go I've got that wrong he's too old he hasn't got the drive anymore at the moment I can't I have to look at him and say why, why aren't you playing What's go, what is going on when I'm looking what is happening with that front line there is no one who should be playing in front of him because none of them have deserved to because they haven't done enough to say they can do a better job than him. Yeah, no, you're right, and they're not scoring goals regularly not, enough to. No, no, it's not. And I, 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 I was on the radio this morning and it was throwing up, and and I turned around and I turned around and said, as as much as whatever Marcus Rashford is doing, his priority is his job. Yeah, that's the, that's the pro. And he needs to do his job better than what he's doing now. Yeah, I mean because that's 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 a good point. I mean, the, yeah, a lot of people have been um, saying that um, you know about the, the sort of the politic side of it. But we can take that away from it. Just take that away and just look at what he's doing as a footballer. And you can say that he's not in the best of form at the moment. He's been it's been a long, long time, oh Wayne. Yeah. He's been he's been there for a long, long time. And as much as he's getting all, all the pats, all the accolades, and the pats on the back, which he deserves of what he's put himself into the most, the most important thing for him is is playing well and hopefully scoring goals for his local for the club that he loves to, he's, you know he's bought, yeah. he, he decided he made his mind up I want to play for them they're my team go out there and do it there because that's what's got him where he is to be doing what he's doing with the food thing it's him he's made himself he's given himself that profile that was needed and he's gone and done that now to keep it he needs to get his game right at this moment in time because he is way off form yeah. and he I think if Sir Alex Ferguson was manager he'd be he, I think people would know already that he'll be saying to him yep understand well done but this is this is what it's about this is your job this is your career this only lasted this only lasted a little bit of time don't 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 finish with don't don't finish with regrets yeah let's talk about the other area of the team um, which will be the elephant in the room which is Fred and McTominay together mm. um, we've said with increasing regularity over the last few weeks that they're kind of doing the job of two players but the issue is that when I mean they're doing the job of two players what I mean by that is obviously they are but they there's two doing the job of one one player should be doing what they're both doing um, and then you have another player alongside them. Let's not say Pogba, but um, 
the sort of defensive responsibility shouldn't take both of them, and, and neither of them together look completely convincing at doing it. I mean, as soon as Pogba was moved a little bit um, yesterday, McTominay actually had a really good 10-minute spell where he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. But if, you t- if you've just got Fred and McTominay in the middle, they can get exposed and pulled apart like they were doing. So you've got one player marking 30 yards and another player marking 30 yards, and they're getting... R- Rings run around them. You know, you saw that a lot of times with them two yesterday. And I don't mean that being disrespectful, because obviously, again, once Pogba moved, both of them started to play a lot better. Um, I'm not saying that they were brilliant. McTominay had a really good spell, but after that, you know, obviously it was much the same again. And that's the issue for me, Paul, is that you've got two players in there, two players in that team are doing the job of, of what you would want one top-class player to do. Hopefully McTominay will blossom into that. But then you could say that about Fred as well. Like It's like McTominay's got the sort of fiery discipline, but he's still so raw. And Fred's got the better capability on the ball, but doesn't have any of that sort of positional discipline. And you just think it's a waste of a player in the team when I know that you could say that they did a good job in in, in terms of what the result ended up with, but you look at it, you just think it's just not perfect in the way that it should be. The, the groove isn't there, is it? No, and they come up against a midfield that could keep the ball for fun and pass it and move it. And they just got played around, to be perfectly honest. They was getting to the back four. Fortunately enough, the back four and the two centre-halves were able to deal with the situation, but they were constantly called, called to arms so much in that first half and the start of the second half because they was just being passed through. And then when they did get the ball, they, didn't, they, they couldn't do the same. They couldn't reciprocate against Liverpool they couldn't just go well we're going to do this to you it's our turn now to go yeah, and play yeah. to play to play against you I mean they just constantly just kept constantly coming back and you saw the difference when Liverpool didn't have the ball they were they could close them down quite easy because they didn't they knew they didn't have the players in there they didn't have a Thiago who was who was going to keep it they didn't have a Firmino who was going to drop off and you know, get in there and get the ball and play around. It didn't have a Shakiri who was who was quite clever on the ball as well when he had it in tight areas. So, and that's the difference. And it works. It, it has worked for United in the bigger games. But somewhere along, you, I just think you have to have that little bit more when you go into these bigger games so you can respond. And I just, I just didn't see it. If you go one nil up and you got those two, that might make a that. That helps make a difference. At least you know you've got two players who are going to try their best to close down. But chasing the ball around doesn't really, is not really closing down. It's about positional areas. I mean, Mata is the best in the club. Yeah. He, know, he knows where to be, where to stand. And he doesn't have to go and he doesn't go around chasing the tackle. He hasn't got, he's not his feet, he's not quick, he's not the quickest in his feet. McTominay's quicker, but the difference is is that he knows his starting positions better. He knows that if he stands there, that means they're in, in an area, they're going to pass the ball square. They're not going to go for it's not going to go past him and into a dangerous area. And that, and that and that's the bit you need. As much as people are seeing the pumping, you know, the you know, the clenched fist, the pumping off the badge and everything, that, that doesn't that doesn't, you know, that, that shouldn't really make it that shouldn't suddenly make someone a great footballer. You need more than that just to do it. You need to be able to know what your job is and that in positionally where to stand and where to start. And 
Meta, meta no, sorry, Matic knows that. So it's very difficult, but Oli's setting his way what he does. Everyone knows when it comes to a certain game, that's what he's gonna that's what he's gonna do. But sometimes it's not enough it's not enough to go and win a game. And and that's and that's the difference is having that little bit to go and win a game. There's a, got Liverpool in the FA Cup coming up soon. I wonder what the difference is gonna be there at home this time, but what's the difference gonna be? Is he gonna try and win it? And is, it, is that going to be seen by the by the midfield he picks? Yeah, do you know what though, though, Paul? This is the thing as well. You've we're talking. I guess we're talking a about the players that we've got and b about the standard of Manchester United. And it's like obviously we know. I think the way that we're talking about this, we we know. I think anyone who listens to this show will understand that we've got a more balanced perspective of where we expect this United team to finish up and we I wouldn't say we've been carried away but you've been intrigued by the good form and thinking oh you know the ta- you know the table doesn't lie in terms of that's where a team will end up if they finish in that position Do you know that that the mathematics speak for themselves in that regard but we both probably expected United to challenge for Champions League spots and hope that they would do it in spite of what um, the summer said, with the you know with the bad transfer window that we had, but you still look at it and think, you look at it at the United standards and you look at it and, and think, do you know what? Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're that far away. And you look at the Lindelof and you look at the Fred and McTominay and you look at a player like Martial. And again, you, I'm not saying that they were all bad yesterday. You look at them and think. They, they probably all come out of that game with a little bit of credit in a way maybe not Martial um, and I'm not I'm not throwing them under the bus but I'm thinking people this morning will be looking at Lindelof Fred and McTominay and thinking yeah do you know what they did a good job and they contributed to getting that good result yesterday but then you look at it and just think if we're going to be really clinical about where United want to if they want to get to that level and, and be taking advantage of yesterday's games like yesterday Paul and saying that's the game where we're going to get two goals from. Then those are the kind of areas that we need to be putting quality in. Um, and, and you know, maybe maybe that is being a little bit harsh, but I think that's also a good thing because it shows how far we've come in a year um, as well. And that's what brings me on to this now. They, uh, there was a, a talk about um, you know United's board were going to look at how the the game went to see where United were and how they might strengthen in January. We've got a couple of weeks left. I'm not saying that we... Let's not say that we need two or three players. I think that we do when you look at that squad. But imagine the difference that one signing might have. If you have that one signing in midfield, it might take the pressure off the defence. And it might even provide a stronger platform in in attack. If you have that one signing in defence, it might take the pressure off the midfield. If you have that one striker, uh, that one signing in attack, it might take the pressure off everyone because they are timing the runs better and scoring more goals. Do you think that they should be looking at that and thinking, not in terms of necessarily winning the title, but look, this is where we are. We know that one signing can make a massive improvement. I mean, Solskjaer said that they're always looking. But they need to be a little bit more proactive about it because this is a chance, really, to consolidate. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't get too carried away and start saying over oh, title challenges just yet, but definitely another big signing could really put us on the the edge of that. Well, given the current scenario as well, what's happening out there at the moment, I think yeah, I think you're right that one signing could make a difference. Um, 
for what's for the for the run up to really keep United in contention, which is which is great to be honest. To be in contention for United is great because prior to all what's going on, everyone was talking three four years ago. Now three sorry three four years before United could even could even maybe even think about getting there for a league title. Yeah. It was that far away, and that was just people, you know. And I think that every year people are saying that because things were never going forward. They, you think they are, and they kept stopping. So at this moment, there is an opportunity to jump the gun. And you don't know, that could kickstart something and it could be make a massive change for Manchester United. But it still needs help from upstairs. You need them to see what they've got and hopefully they see where they are at the moment and they're thinking the same as what a lot of United fans are at this moment in time going, hold on a minute, we're top of the league at the moment. It's only January though, so we're not, we're not being silly, but we've, because of what's gone on this season, United have jumped the gun and there's a massive opportunity to United to get in to get in front of themselves and really push and hopefully go and win a Premier League title. And then it needs to, it does need a belief maybe in January to go and show that intent. But then even if United don't win the league, you've got yourself and the mindset changes have cha- would have changed of, of some of the players and the fact of then the people who Manchester United might have been interested in will suddenly start looking and think, of hold on a minute. This they've done this, it adds that bit, but it needs upstairs to believe it themselves. And then you might find out how much they really want it. Yeah. How much how much are they willing to push on and and put into their, you know, experiments, spent, you know, speculate to accumulate. Yeah. It doesn't have, have to be it doesn't have to be like a Haaland or something like that, or a Sancho. <laughs> The great thing about Fernandez is we were having this conversation a year ago, and you were saying you were more convinced than what I was. You were saying, "No, he's a good player." Blah blah blah. And I, I was going that sort of hesitant route of, "Oh, why aren't the other clubs in for him?" But they can look at a Fernandez, or the, I say a Fernandez. They can look for a player who is like of similar profile. You know, like one of those that the clubs don't really take a chance on. None come to mind. But what I'm saying is, they can say, "Look at the impacts that." He's had on firstly the team, but also the players around him. And look at the way that he's been seen now. Everyone, everyone, without question, certifiably says that Fernandez was the player of 2020, and they're right because he was. Imagine a player coming in now, or a player being looked at, and let's say that United approached them and said, "Look, you you could have a similar impact. That could happen to you, and also you could really." turn United's fortunes for this season but I think you're right in what you're saying yes the opportunity is there but we can't get carried away in terms of just look at the next six months because what we should be looking at is games like yesterday and saying we're actually pretty close if we pull our act together get it together get those two or three players then we're talking about a scenario for the next three or four years really we're not talking about the next three or four months we're talking about actually taking advantage of a platform that's there at the moment um, let's talk about um, Fulham in in the um, in the midweek obviously winning at Burnley as we did last week coupled with yesterday's result it keeps United three points ahead of Liverpool but City won last night and now that means that they can go top if they win their own game in hand things are changing on a game by game basis and it does make these next couple of games important because we've got Fulham away and I think the next league game Sheffield United at home after that um, Fulham are without a league win since November they struggled to score goals 
Ollie's got a bit of a decision to make, I think. Not in terms of McTominay, Fred, and all that sort of stuff, but I think the biggest selection is probably Fernandez and Rashford. Paul, you know, you might expect that they'd be on the bench for Liverpool in in the cup. Probably mm-hmm. might even start on the bench against Sheffield United. But do you start with them at, at Fulham, or do you think maybe put them on the bench for that one and just bring them on, see if they can uh, see if you can do without them for the game? Um. <clears throat> It's, it's a gamble. I'm, I'm one of those people think if you've got a game where you're supposed to win, and obviously we're United with this away record, you, um, I believe that you should go there with the intent to win the game and have your better players on, on the pitch. Yeah. Don't, don't just suddenly bring them on to chase it because then you're demanding more from them. And that, 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 then that demand could maybe cause an injury. Yeah because you're chasing and it's kind of worked at certain times but I really am surprised when managers do that because the players sitting there and then when they do go on I think you're putting more stress on them than anything else so but the one thing we saw with Fulham against Chelsea in of recent games as well and I've seen them what three times already this season since since um their change in form and the good work that um, Scott Parker's done in his recruitment and what he's brought in it's been immense is it's the fact of they're hard to break down. Yeah. Really, really hard. They still try and play in that same fashion. They're not just negative and just just hoping that they can get something in that sense. What they're lacking up front is quality. Mm. You know, Deco Diva Reed and um, Cavaliero are not out and out goal scorers as such. They've got um, they can improvise to a point, but if you know, once they go one nil down, Fulham, unless you're Tottenham. And you sit back. Um, they they will struggle. Their main striker doesn't suit the system they're playing in, so the manager's not playing in brave decision. And it's worked out well for him to leave out Kearney and Mitrovic because he wanted players with high energy and you know real drive, and that's what he's getting. Fulham is going to be a really really tough game for for Manchester United, and they need to go there and be right they need the right players on the pitch if you haven't got the right players on the pitch you wonder if that affects other players when they don't see those kind of players around them to take them through the ones that helped them get through so he's got to be careful not to go and blow blow anything I think he kind of said in his after match you know what he said post-match he talked about that you know, it's no good, you know, just, you know, he's disappointed, he thought, you know, he, he saw, you know, he looked at the second half and he thought they, there was enough there for them to go and win it. He accepts, he would, Oli accepted the draw, and I think the draw was the right result. <clears throat> you know, United didn't deserve to lose that game, but he said, that point is good only if we take three points in the next game. Yeah. So for me, his mind, he's, he's made his, I think he's just, he's, he's not going to be, he's not going to be, He's not going to go that far and think, oh, it's, well, I can leave, I can leave out many key players, because as as, as poor as Marcus Rashford has been in recent weeks, if he's on the pitch, he affects the mindset of Fulham. Yeah. Because they because they know what what he's got in his locker. So that's the difference it makes. When you look at a team sheet, and all of a sudden you think, my times at Fulham and QPR. And more so QPR when I'm coming to these big clubs or they're coming to where I am and I'm looking and say, i.e. Manchester United are missing Mark Hughes and Brian Robson. And I suddenly think to myself, wow, blimey, we've got a chance here. This makes it, it gives us a little bit more of a chance to get something out of it. That's what other teams do. They'll be saying that. You know, we saw that when, um, who was it? I just saw a game during, the, <coughs> saw a game, um, <coughs> what was it? Ben Rama. I was at West Ham at the weekend. David Moyes took off Ben Rama. 
took him off. And Ben Rahm is a, is a very good player. Very good player. Just still finding his feet. I think he's still not sure if David Moyes fancies him, but he's, West Ham fans will love him. Yeah. And he took him off. And the moment he takes him off, Burnley take the game to West Ham. And Burnley had West Ham under pressure in that game because Ben Rama was off and he was a threat because they was chasing it and he was catching them out. He was delivering, he was running with the ball, causing them problems. And all of a sudden they just took him off and it made such a difference to Burnley that he was gone. They just went. So taking away key players only, in, only just adds more, more to the other side. So has to be careful in, in his selection. And he has to, as well, with the way the fans are as well, show intent to try and chase down a league title. Even though it's going to be tough, very, very tough, this one, because it is a, it's mind over matter at the moment. But it's such a golden opportunity, Wayne, for somebody at the top six clubs to go and, to go and win that league. Yeah, especially when you look at the um, the fact that it's probably not going to be decided on head-to-head games like yesterday. They just sort of tick over. Mm. And United are fully capable. Well, we saw it. They finished third last season and we said the biggest step for them is going to be winning games against the other 17 teams. And they're so close to doing that and it could make all the difference. Um, and obviously it starts with Fulham on, on the... Like, so if, you, if you're going to pick with... If you're going to start that game with Fernandes and Rashford... Do you leave them out against Liverpool? And do you say that maybe that's one for Van der Beek and Matter to come in and just sort of let's say that they start the game, try and stifle it, control possession for or affect possession as much as they can for sixty minutes, knowing that the game's going to be decided on the on the night, and then use Rashford and Fernandez for impacts later on. Yeah, maybe I, I see that one. Even though it's Liverpool and you don't want to lose, I can I can see that one, and I can see Liverpool doing the same because obviously they're down to bare bones. Yeah. You know they're only going to want to you know stretch their players so much because they're still going to have to use them as well. And so Liverpool, well, he'll bring in. I'm sure he'll bring in a few of the younger ones as well to play to play in it. So that for me, that would be the game to do that. And when you talk about Mata, and then you talk about Van der Beek. That's not bad. Mm. That ain't bad at all. Matter as well, who likes scoring against Liverpool. You get him and Van der Beek together, those two work well as a unit. I mean, you have to look at it. Is he going to start with Cavani? If he doesn't start with Cavani against Fulham, then he's going to have to start with him in, in there as well. And, and those three against Liverpool in the FA Cup comp- would complement each other as well. Everyone says, but Matter's slow. But he needs the right players around him where they can read each other. And you've seen some of his performances when he's played with the likes of players like, you know, when Fernandes plays and when you've seen when Cavani's playing and when Van der, Van, you know, Van der Beek with Mata. There's that little bit which they, which they seem to all bounce, all seem to gel very well together. So it has to have the right... There's no point, as sometimes I've seen him being inside with a lot of the young players and the young players are fighting themselves just to try and do well and trying to get used to it and matters in there as the experienced player but he struggles he really struggles in that when you just suddenly throw him into a game with a load of other players who haven't played a lot of football as well it's difficult for anybody to be in that situation but for matter to come in from the cold he needs things around him which kind of he's accustomed to who know what he's all about and I'm, I'm as you said I'm a big fan of his a really big fan of his because it doesn't matter I mean the older you get your mind seems to get better and better and when I talk about that one of the 
one of the best ever English players who was like that, fortunately enough, ended up playing for Manchester United, and that was Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, absolutely. And I was a, he was the first player that came to mind. As soon as you started saying it, I was thinking, please say Teddy, because yeah. <laughs> it was the obvious choice in that. But yeah. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and you know, Matt is one of my favourites as well. Um, you know, he does have a lack of pace in there. And yeah. I've joked about that before, but I, I do mm. think, obviously, in terms of being a footballer, he's probably still maybe the best mm. that we've got at the club. Um, but yeah, so he'll probably play some part in the next week, whatever that is. We will um, wait and see. That's it for this week, guys. Um, remember, TOTD10 for 10% discount with classic football shirts. Please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.